This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. This is Merrick Brave with the Black and Brave Wrestling Academy and you are listening to Top Rope Nation. Sierra Hotel. India. Echo. Lima. Delta. Shield. What's up, guys? Episode 188 of Top Rope Nation. Real special episode for you here tonight. Uh, a little talking off air right as I was going on. So trying to be a professional and get this straight. My name is Ryan Drosty of uh, comicbook.com, joined by Mr. Kyle Ross and Justin Joint tonight, as I am each and every week to talk professional wrestling. A lot of times we're talking current pro wrestling, but this week we're actually going to go a little retro on you. It doesn't feel like this was that long ago to me, guys, but uh, we're going back to 2012. We're going to be discussing the match at TLC 2012 between The Shield and Kane, Daniel Bryan, and Ryback, which really was kind of, when you look back, an industry-changing match. And Kyle, you came up with the idea to do this this week, and so uh, as we get underway here in just a few minutes, I'm going to have you kind of run in the point guard position as we go through the show. But before we get to that, Kyle Ross, we were just talking about some tequila off air. You just bought a gigantic bottle of tequila. How's your week going? I did. I'll tell you what, that bottle of tequila is still unopened, so that should probably tell you a lot about how this week's going. So it could be going better is what you're saying. Uh, could be going worse. Could be going better. Just a tough grind, man. Like everyone on the Facebook page. It's a busy time of the year in the sports handicapping world. Last mm-hmm. thing I wanted was the NBA starting next Tuesday. Yeah, Why? it is. Uh, this is the crazy time of the year for you. So yes, uh, but I am ready to talk uh, this match. One of the finest of the decade from the uh, fine folks at WWE. Kind of ironic that you know this is the busiest time of the year for you, but you are jacked to talk about this show. I mean, you're excited. You, you're busy. You've been running around with your head caught off, doing work, doing pro wrestling, trying to keep keep up with pro wrestling. But, uh, I mean, yeah, you were texting us. You were writing in the Facebook group that uh, you were ready to go. So I am looking forward to getting your takes on this one. Oh, the notes are strong. Yes. The notes are real strong. <laughs> Justin Joint, what's going on over there across town for me? Uh, Not a lot. Um, Not to make light of a very situ serious situation in the world Uh but i I thought uh i was coming down with the 
Corona earlier this week. So I had the body aches and I was tired Monday and Tuesday. And uh, Tuesday, I realized that I had chopped wood all Sunday morning and I hadn't done jack shit the previous eight months of the year. So uh, it was just exercise soreness. <laughs> oh, Justin, the axe man joint doing work. Doing the work. axe man. I like it. <laughs> Well, hey, I'm I'm glad you're fine, and uh, you know we're looking forward to the show tonight. And uh, if you are joining, I do want to say, if you guys are joining us here on YouTube.com and, and you're watching the show after the fact, YouTube.com/slash Top Rope Nation. A little reminder: we're going to be going live this Sunday night after WWE TLC. So oh, if you're boy. watching the show here, if you're if you're watching the show here on YouTube right now, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the show. Our pay per view post shows are a lot of fun. Like I said, you can join us live. If you're listening to the podcast feed, we would love to have you guys tune in live on Sunday night to the YouTube show. So go subscribe to the channel so you don't forget youtube.com slash top rope nation. Of course, we are actually streaming live tonight as we do each and every week exclusively for patrons as we record the flagship show. Head on over to patreon.com slash top rope nation where you can find out how you can support the show, get access to those weekly live casts. Uh, so you, essentially, you're getting the show you know, a day before the general public. Uh, and you can also check out how you can get access to our bonus content like Top Rope Nation Classics, a bonus podcast we do exclusively, exclusively for patrons, as well as a free gift for signing up. We'd be honored to have your support. It's the best way to support what we are doing. If Patreon's not for you, another way you can help the show is if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star rating while you're there, especially on Apple Podcasts. If you leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts, leave your uh, Twitter or Instagram username so I can get a hold of you and I'll send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail for just taking a couple of minutes to help the show out. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And uh, we got Justin and Kyle doing the sign language here on the show. <laughs> five stars, five stars, five stars. Dude, what, was the, what was the slogan? Tap the five stars that we talked about last week? Tap those five stars. God, it was something about tap that, tap that ass. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Whatever you got to do, guys. Obviously, it wasn't an effective catchphrase because I forgot it a week later. <laughs> Tap it fast, tap it slow, tap the five star. I think it was something yeah. like that. And uh, of course, we are brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. Shout out to those guys. Check out bluewirepods.com for all the entire network of shows. And uh, later in the show, you'll be hearing from our sponsors, the good folks over at Bet Online and Indeed.com. So, Kyle, I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, it was kind of your idea to go through t- t- this match, not the whole show, but this match from TLC 2012. Why don't you explain to the listeners why you, you chose this one? Well, it's December. We have a TLC pay-per-view coming up, but wouldn't you know it, as we record this show for our palatial homes, it is eight years to the date that this match occurred. What a coincidence. I did not plan it that way, but uh, sure worked out nice. And uh, besides that, I just really wanted to prove I could say nice stuff about the World Wrestling Federation <laughs> after last week. Yeah. I mean, dear God, imagine if we had to review this week's television offerings <sighs> from Titan Sports. You know, even AEW wasn't that great this week. I know we've been really uh, no, high on AEW. No, uh, it, it was a weaker one. Going in, I kind of expected it, but God yeah. bless you having to review SmackDown Live every week. <laughs> I, I, I thought the promos on that two-hour telecast last friday um that would have been you know we're recording this december 17th 
2020. So whatever the last Friday was, whatever you folks listen to this. Uh, I thought it took promos to a new nadir in the history yes. of this great sport. It was not a great show. I mean, I tune in, obviously, to get paid working for CBS, comicbook.com, but uh, pretty much for Roman Reigns. And uh, Kevin Owens, who I spoke to earlier today on the phone, had a great chat with Kevin Owens, you guys. Oh. So uh, check out comicbook.com this weekend. I'll have a couple articles spun out from my conversation with Mr. Kevin Owens. That was a lot of fun, but... Uh, Kevin was not in the WWE yet at TLC 2012, uh-huh. but uh, of course Roman Reigns was. He and, was, uh, and wouldn't you know, we're going to talk about his in-ring debut tonight. Yes, we are. So you want me to give the background? Is yeah, that what I was going to say, so like, where are we going to start? Because we've done this one other time where we did kind of these retrospective uh, podcasts on a particular match. I think it was back in August, we looked at the 15-year 15 15-year anniversary of Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels from SummerSlam 05. And I told you guys off air last week, that's one of our top 10 most downloaded shows this this year. So we probably shouldn't have taken this long to do another one of them. But uh, this should be a lot of fun. So yeah, the retrospective. Give us the background, Kyle. Okay, so those uh, of you who may have forgotten, The Shield uh, made their debut at the 2012 Survivor Series, helping CM Punk, remember him, retain the WWE title in a triple threat against Ryback, more on him later, and John Cena. And here is what our old friend Dave Meltzer wrote in his review of Survivor Series 2012. Ambrose and Rollins have been ready for more than a year. Reigns was considered to have as much potential as anyone in developmental because of his size, look, and athletic ability. But it may be early as he's still shaky on promos. Rollins isn't great either, but Ambrose is very good. And not there in the uh, not there yet in the ring uh, in referring to Reigns. Of course, the company has introduced plenty of new people with pushes and given up on most, which is why they have such little depth. Hmm. Um, then, then he goes on to give kind of the backgrounds, you know, Ambrose, John Good, Heartland Championship Wrestling, uh, you know, shots at the top of FCW, Rollins, you know, he, he puts over the matches he had in NXT and. And that he was, what does he say about him? He was NXT champion as of the last tapings and consistently had the best matches of anyone in developmental. Yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting to look at the background of these three guys because, um, as as you said, um, now John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, uh, John Moxley before that, uh, he had been wrestling for five, six years before signing with WWE. And by 2012, he had about eight years in the business. And uh, Rollins had about the same. So, you know, those two guys had a lot of experience. Of course, Rollins, Tyler Black on the independent scene. Uh, but Reigns didn't even start wrestling in 2010. So he until 2010. So he was he was very, very green. Um, but uh, I mean, this, you know, this is a huge moment for all the guys coming in their first main roster match. Uh, and I, I don't know about you guys, but when I when I watched him come out in the entrance, I could see some nerves, especially in Seth Rollins. I could see it in his face a little bit that uh you could tell he was kind of taken with the moment, I think. I mean, doing your first match in that kind of spot is quite the ask. And we'll yes. get into, you know, all the political machinations that were going on in a little bit. Not, not only their... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, not only their first match, but the the first uh, live show in the Barclays, the new Brooklyn Barclays Center. Yeah. That's right, yes. Which would become kind of a, you know, a regular stop for WWE pre-pandemic. A lot of big shows at that yeah. venue. Yeah. Uh, I was also going to say that... Uh, you know, Daniel Bryan in this match, he had worked multiple times with uh, Tyler Black and John Moxley on the independent scene. I looked up some yeah. of those matches earlier today. So they were no strangers, but uh, was, of course, never on a stage this big. Was that not 
got a deep dive that you gave out. I think I did Once at one the, point. Maybe uh, a year or so ago. Ryan Danielson, Tyler Black match from Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like that match. They also a had a so, three-way yeah. with Kenny Omega. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, he, he was big deal. Then, you know, with Reigns, and I'm going to ask you guys if you remember something. You, pro- you may or may not uh, after this. But, you know, Reigns, Meltzer goes are his background. He grew up using his middle name. Uh, older brother Matt was Rosie. Uh, and, you know, uh, Reigns is a college football star at Georgia Tech. All ACC as a senior in 2006. Played football at 310 pounds, but has trimmed down to 260 as a wrestler. Was not drafted but had brief stints in camp with the Minnesota Vikings and ended up on the practice roster with the Jags. Uh, Tony Khan, Jacksonville Jaguars, 2007. Uh, Played a few games in 08 with the Edmonton Eskimos of the CFL, Uh, but his career ended after that season. As you mentioned, um, you know, signed with WWE in 2010, Ryan. And unlike the other two, uh, he was starting from scratch. Yeah. But 310, man, big boy. Uh, here's the thing. Do you guys remember who CM Punk proposed be the third member of the Shield? It was not Roman Reigns. Chris yeah, I was thinking about this. Yes. Was that yes. it was? Yeah. Yes, I, I had that in my head was. earlier today, and I couldn't remember who it was. Yeah. There it is. Uh, this will probably upset me. I love Chris Hero, for the record. I love Cassius Sono. I don't think WWE did nearly enough with him either time they had him. Uh, you talk about some of the great early NXT matches, him and William Regal. Check out those TV bouts from 2013 on the network. Um, that said, I think Reigns was a better option here. I actually oh, yeah. like the dynamic of, you know, you have the two guys who came through the new scene and then their project. Because, you know, the goal of this group was eventually to, you know, split them all up and have Reigns be a big single star. So I actually liked that dynamic. Some people may disagree, but um, it's just the way I feel. And not only that, which I agree with you, but I don't, Chris Hero wouldn't have looked right in that part either. No, I, I don't think he would have. I, I think Reigns was, was perfect as kind of the, the big muscle of the group. He was different, you know, and I'm going to get into later to oh. just the whole deal with individuality oh. and the shield. But yeah, I, I, I do kind of wish we could have seen like the military vest with just the uh, short, short trunks on Chris Hero. That would have been interesting. <laughs> Yes. Damn uh, it. <laughs> hey, you don't uh, want to see me in short trunks, I'll tell you that, dude. <laughs> uh, so you're talking in the in the notes here, Kyle, about how the Shield debuted about two and a half years after Nexus. Yes. Did you want to hit on this a little bit? Okay, so Nexus, interesting because Ryan Reeves was in that group. You know him as Ryback, and he was in this match. Um but I always thought Nexus was a great idea, but probably with the wrong people. I mean, imagine if, like, in the, you know, a couple of years ago, if they'd done a Nexus with the current NXT roster. If they'd done that same angle, but with, you know, modern NXT. I, I think it would have been a better uh, shot at succeeding. Um, but, uh, you know, the Shield obviously succeeded where Nexus didn't. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I had a question for you guys. First off, looking at the current NXT, who, if anyone, could make up a modern-day shield? Not that WWE should do such a thing, but who do you think, if they were to pluck three guys from NXT and put them in a group, a shield-like group, who who do you think would work in that role? Those well, I, I have prepared my notes for this, Kyle, as Uh-oh. you guys can see on the video stream. Oh, oh. <laughs> Karnak here. Karnak. 
<laughs> we're really old throughout yeah. that reference. Uh, I was going to say, I, I, half our audience didn't get that. <laughs> They're one. like, Karnak, what are you talking about? As yeah. I put the envelope on my head. Now I know how kids who watch Berman feel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, Johnny Carson, look it up, guys. Yes. Uh, so I was thinking about this, and when you look at the shield, okay, they kind of have the roles of one guy's the muscle, one guy's the worker, and one, not that John Moxley wasn't a worker, but he was definitely like the personality in the group, you know, like a little crazy. Especially early on. Yeah. So when I there, thought, there, I, there, I was remember, trying to, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I remember when, you know, when he first came up uh, through NXT and the main roster, all the buzz was he's the next Rowdy Piper. Yep. Heard that all the time, like every week, it seemed like. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that, that's the kind of the profiles I had in my head as I was trying to, you know, who would I pick? It's so, fair. So here's who I got. See what you think. So for the muscle on a new shield from the current NXT roster, he's got, he's muscular. He's bigger though. Damian Priest. All right, I have Damian Priest in the Roman Reigns. <laughs> he role. sounds a lot like Roman Reigns, doesn't he? Like if if you were Roman Reigns, would you not want Damian Priest on your show? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he I sounds feel like him so and Reigns much could like have him. Some kick-ass matches, though. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. It's kind of funny, but it's funny you just mentioned Damian Priest because in that role, because when I see him, I kind of think about Roman Reigns. So that's yeah. actually a very good choice. Yeah. So Damian Priest is the muscle. Uh, for the personality, kind of a little bit crazy, Tommaso Ciampa. And uh, for the worker, Pete Dunne. Damian Priest, Ciampa, Pete Dunne. What do you guys think of that? Hmm, it's uh, definitely three different when the, personalities. Yeah. Yeah, and it definitely doesn't have the same kind of oomph that uh, the original trio did. <laughs> um, when, the, when the question was originally posted, Damian Priest was kind of the first and only name that I could come up with. Mm-hmm. Well, my first, my initial reaction to this question when I saw Kyle had it here in our notes was, so for the worker, I was thinking about Gargano. But then I was like, no, nah, Gargano couldn't pull this off. Because no. I'm thinking of like a heelish group. And we've been so down on him in the current heel run. I couldn't put him in there. But he kind of came to my mind, you know, in the Seth Rollins role. You know, and it, when it comes to the Rollins and Moxley roles, is I think a big part of their appeal was they had so much buzz from being on the independents. Yeah. Uh, which made it that much more exciting when they came up. And I, I don't know if there's really anybody down there that's like that now that that carries that same kind of buzz. Well, you, the problem is the current state of NXT. Like, if we would have asked this question two, three years ago, I think it would have been a lot more fun to answer when NXT was really rolling. Agreed, yeah. And, it, and you didn't have just, you know, a third stale brand within WWE. Sorry, folks. I know I said I wouldn't talk bad about the company, but it, I just couldn't help myself. It's a weekly occurrence. Yes. At this moment so, in time, at least. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought, you know, it was interesting. And, and going back to the Nexus thing, I wanted to ask a second question here before we really get going on the pay-per-view proper. You know, Nexus clearly was not pushed well. The, the decision to beat them at SummerSlam 2010, I, I just don't know what to say. It was real bad. Mm. I mean, it was bad. How do you do that? How do you do a big group and have them lose in their first match? What are you doing? <laughs> anyway, um, do you think the Shield got more over because of their ability individually, collectively, or how they were pushed. 
because they, unlike Nexus, and that's why I wanted to keep bringing them up, they were pushed strong out of the gate, or was it a little of both, talent and push? I think it was most certainly both. You know, kind of like what I just said about the buzz with uh, Rollins and Moxley. I don't know if any of the Nexus guys really had that. And even looking at them in the moment, outside of Barrett and Daniel Bryan, I don't know how much uh, long-term viability there was in at the very least, their believability as uh, a monster group. Yeah, that's, you know, it goes back to what I said earlier, you know, great idea, probably wrong people. Yeah. With that. Um. I mean, I think I think it's the presentation. I think it's bringing them in as, you know, the supposed mercenaries of CM Punk, though he would deny it, you know, for months. Uh, and eventually they had the uh, handicap match with him the next year at TLC. That's right. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think the association with Punk was was a big part of it. Their ability, their look, I think the presentation, I mean, the outfits were unique with the tactical gear and stuff. The way they came through the crowd, the theme song was really good. I think it was just the whole package put together. I don't think that I can really point to one thing, but I know that just the presentation as characters really blew me away, you know, from the start. Yeah, I, I look, they're all talented. I just think the push as we'll get into when we get to the match, was so key. I mean, WWE doesn't do this for a lot of new acts in the modern era. It's always, you know, pay your dues. And in this case, there were some factors that I think necessitated a really strong push. But, um, you know, (laughs) there just aren't a lot of new acts that could push like this in WWE. I remember Kevin Owens, remember first night beats John Cena? Mm -hmm. But what happened the next time they wrestled? He lost. Yeah. And what happened the third Third time they wrestled. He lost. Mm-hmm. It's no surprise the Shield is fondly remembered because they were booked like a main event act from the start, which you just no, don't I, see enough. The one thing I will say about their presentation, uh, I think it's pretty lame that they just used Roman Reigns' theme and just didn't come up with their own Shield theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how dare they? We'll talk about that breakup in a little bit. Hopefully we have to enough time to get into that because I've got some heavy thoughts on how this group was broken up. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. 
And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Kyle, go into, so what was the originally planned main event for this show? For this pay-per-view, it was going to be Punk and Ryback again in a TLC match. But that got nixed due to Punk's oh, injury. Oh, we missed it. Yes. Well. That's too bad. Hold on. We're going to talk about something in a little bit here. It's going to maybe make you view the big guy a little bit uh, mm. more fondly. But <laughs> Doubt it. Uh, anyway, uh, th- that was going to be the main event, but Punk got hurt. You see, you know, in the promo, that's, you know, a shoot. Fantastic promo, by the way. Yes. CM Punk before right before the match. match. Um, and the Shield was going to probably work Team Hell No and another partner is what Meltzer said anyway. But with the Punk injury, Ryback became Team Hell No's partner. And this was, you know, pretty much given headline status mm-hmm. on the show. Uh, it doesn't go on last, though, right? No, no, because it's it's isn't it like Cena and Ziggler? Yep. Okay, yeah, that's when AJ turns on John Cena, quote unquote, turns. Yeah, yeah I've that got was my. Me. Okay, um, so yeah, that, that was the plan. So this match wasn't even really supposed to happen uh, originally, which is always just so fascinating to me. Just like Bret and Austin, WrestleMania 13, wasn't the plan. <laughs> and they pretty, wind up producing magic and turning the company around. Not saying this is on that level, but. Uh, a happy accident, if you will. So, we just hinted at it. Should we talk about Ryback at this point and what we thought of him and his push at the time? Yes. I because we were, we were talking about this off air a little bit. And as Feed he, me <laughs> more. As uh, Justin just alluded to, he wasn't a big fan of Ryback. I can't say that I was either. Kyle, you were not at the time, but you've kind of come around on the big guy, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that. I just... You know, I'm looking at the facts, and this is, was discussed for months after the Hell in a Cell pay per view headlined with him and Punk. Remember, pay per view, there was no WWE network yet at this time, folks. Did surprisingly well on pay per view. And there was the argument at the time that maybe Ryback should have won at Hell in a Cell. And, you know, he could have just lost it back to Punk. But the issue was, for those of you keeping score, remember this time period. Punk was already locked into losing the belt mm-hmm. to The Rock at the Royal Rumble. And I guess they just didn't want to do so many title changes in a short period of time. Punk, obviously, his gimmick at this point was longest reigning WWE uh, champion and, you know, however long. I the modern was, era, he would yeah, always Yeah, the say, modern yeah. era. So, yeah, they didn't want him to lose. But, you know, Ryback, I'm not saying, you know, he's the greatest wrestler of all time, but he was popular during this point a little bit. It, this is definitely the peak of Ryback. I I would have never considered putting the world title on him at all uh, during that time. He did have, you know, the crowd would would scream the, the feed me more thing. I'll, that was definitely over. But a huge section of the crowd would also always chant Goldberg at him because he just seemed like such a ripoff of Goldberg. I mean, his mannerisms, his facial reactions. 
I just always looked at him as a cheap Goldberg ripoff. I'm sorry, Ryback. Should they have done that match? They should have. I mean, people wanted to see it. If they could have done it, I think so. Absolutely. Uh, but that's I mean, Goldberg I think they, and Ryback. Yeah, those, yeah, yeah. I think I think Goldberg though. I think the Goldberg chance. I mean, that was derogatory at Ryback, and so. Well, you do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think they were taunting him by chanting that. So. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, I I could not have put the t- I wouldn't have considered, especially with Punk in the middle, of that kind of legendary reign that he had during that time period, the longest reigning champ and all that. You couldn't do it, Kyle. You mentioned he's kind of slated to lose to The Rock and. Of course, the Shield got involved in that match at the Rumble. They did in early 2013. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought we should kind of discuss where we where we were on Ryback because you you see him come out and yeah, he does get a nice reaction from the crowd. I thought, although in the Observer, Meltzer talks about how Brian got a big reaction from the crowd and that they didn't do much for Ryback, and I was kind of wondering what what he was talking about because I thought he got a good <laughs> reaction when he came out. But yeah, <laughs> oh, there we go. I don't know political hit yeah. job in the Observer. <laughs> <laughs> the internet has the scoops, according to Hulk Hogan at WrestleWar '95. <laughs> we're all, yeah, World War Three '95. Pardon me. <laughs> so we're all big Brian fans on the show. Anyone yes. who's listened to this knows we're all big Daniel Bryan fans. So what did you guys make of of Team Hell No at the time, Justin? Uh, um, I thought they were entertaining. I've never been a big Kane fan, uh, and I don't know. Some of it's it's hard to look at with knowing where it all ended up for Daniel Bryan uh, to really know what I felt at the moment. But I, I think I was just kind of like, this is a decent use for them. They're a good comedy duo, uh, but it just feels like they're missing the boat on Daniel Bryan. Yeah. You know what I'm not a fan of? Mayor Glenn Jacobs. I was just going to say Kane's <laughs> politics, probably. I mean, this guy. <laughs> I mean, it's back, back to social studies for you, pal. I mean, this guy reeks. <laughs> this guy might be one of the worst executives I've ever seen in my entire life of a Ooh, community. That's saying something. I'm not going to go down that role, road because okay. I'll be talking for a while. But uh, Okay. Yeah. I'm not going right, to disagree anyway, with you. Um, I love what Justin said, how he said he was never a Kane fan because I – Generally, I'm not either. I know that you know, he's a pretty good working big man. People give him credit. He deserves some due in that regard. I just think it was insane. He was still around in 2012. Yeah. <laughs> if you would have told me when that character debuted 15 years later, he'll be you know in a big-time matchup. Everybody would be like, what? But um, I will say this. Again, Justin alludes to it. I thought Team Hell No was kind of the best thing he did in the 2000s. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of competition for me. Yeah, but. I mean, that's part of the... Pre- I mean, it's not like, oh, let me tell you about this other <laughs> yeah, good yeah. Kane thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it was good. And it was... It elevated Daniel Bryan. Because the funny thing is, and they talk about this, she's a former world champion, but that was like a fluke world title run that they didn't really push very hard. I mean, he right. was not pushed as a serious, strong world champion when he was a heel. He loses to Sheamus in the infamous opener at WrestleMania 28. But... I think Team Helmo did very much elevate Daniel Bryan in a lot of fans' eyes, people who had not followed his career pre-WWE. Yeah. All right, so let's get let's get into the match itself now. TLC 2012. Match goes a little over 20 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Justin, you noted as you watched this back that felt shorter to you. I watched it twice uh, to get ready for the show. I don't think I had seen it since 2012. But Kyle, I mean, this... This one ranks really highly for you on your uh, 
on your tier of 2000s WWE matches. I mean, take it away. What do you think? I'll say 2010s, so, yeah. Okay, I'm going to make a comment right now. I think the best match of the decade, 2010s, WWF main roster, not excluding, not including NXT, would be Cena Punk. I think a lot of people would say that, right? Mm-hmm. Money the yep. Bank in Chicago. This is absolutely in the conversation for number two. Uh, I mean, that's how strong I feel. I think it is a flawless match. I, I could, I could go the full five on this baby, and I don't do that very often. Yeah. Meltzer gave a four and a half. I think if you go on cage match, it's right around nine out of ten aggregate score from, from which is about the, four and a uh, half. Yes, yeah, so yeah, I mean the other higher, a little bit it's higher, in the but discussion yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure I, I, I really think it is. I, I just don't know how you do this match better. We'll get it into that later on. You know, the, the nuance of the match. Um, it was total chaos mm-hmm. throughout. It was very different than really any WWE match at the time. Now, you know, it's it was interesting to watch it, you know, after just seeing a takeover because it brought to mind a quote you made on last week's show, Ryan. I, when you said it on last week's show, I noted it because I knew what we were talking about this week. I was like, I think that's going to apply if I remember, and it absolutely does. So we were talking about the War Games matches, if you guys remember. Ryan, you astutely pointed out how the action often feels inorganic in those matches. Like with just people laying around and then it's time to do their spot and they just come in and it, it just doesn't feel like a real fight. Mm-hmm. This felt like a real fight. Even if people were, you know, taking a spill outside and just, you know, weren't involved in the action, it was because something happened to them. They weren't, they weren't laying around being lost. I just felt the constant flow of action in this match really stood out and kind of illuminated that quote you had last week. Yeah, like uh, I think it's Kane that takes the spear through the ringside barrier, and they like kind of like yes. bury him under a bunch of stuff. So like it makes sense that you don't see him. Right? Yeah, it's not like a singular move in the ring, and he just lays there and watches everyone work. Yeah, you're right. I mean, chaos right from the start. In fact, during the Shield entrance, uh, when the guys are you're coming down to the ring, you had uh, Rollins and Ambrose come down one set of stairs. And Reigns comes down like the next section over because they attack the ring like from different directions. And uh, I think it, I think it was Reigns working with Kane right off the start, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, just they brawl all, all over the outside of the ring. The crowd's really into it. It's, it's a hot start to the match. And and of course, there's there's a lot of big spots throughout the match. It's you know you can't can't get away from that in this TLC match. But yeah, so. Uh, I guess I guess just general thoughts as we get into it, Justin. When you watch this one back, what were some of your takeaways? Um, well, this would be more for you and me than Kyle, but I was thrown off by Reigns for like the first few minutes. Just and I realized later on that it was oh he's the tattoos Less not tattoos. fully complete yet. Yeah. He's I wearing that too. No, That's hilarious. <laughs> no no wrist guard, no wrist tape or anything. It's just bare arms. So. Mm-hmm. That took some getting used to. Um, I noticed the Goldberg chance right away. Uh, but to Kyle's point, when Ryback made the comeback after going through the table, the crowd was pretty 100% behind him, mm-hmm. um, which kind of broke my heart a little bit, but whatevs. <laughs> um, and, you know, for me, who never, you know, my mutant power is blocking out commentary, I don't even know what he was re- referring to, but at the very I don't know if it was, I think it was before the match started. JBL was talking about the Knights Templar burying their treasure on Oak Island. 
which I thought was that just because there's that there's that history channel show now about yeah. Oak Island. Yeah. JVL was in a weird period with his commentary during your I mean, you talked about hit or miss. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to something Ryan was just mentioning with the start of the match. And, you know, normally the camera cutting in WWE production when you watch matches is pretty nauseating. And I think it's a detriment uh, to the viewing experience. But it actually worked in this situation because there was so much action going on. You know, you had all six people fighting at once. It, the only thing I could, you know, think of another match that came to mind was like the Cactus and Friends against the Nasty Boys in 94 WCW, how novel that was at the time when you'd have the camera, like the split screen, and they because they'd be struggling to keep up with all mm-hmm. the action. Um, I thought, yeah, it was just a really red-hot start in that regard uh, to the match. And there was just no resting whatsoever. You know, when we criticize the NXT matches on TakeOver for being too long, the, all the fat that we complain about in those matches was completely trimmed out here. I mean, yes. you mentioned it was 23 minutes. That's a great length. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a fight, I mean, you know, it used to be, you know, a, a fight, it would, it would almost be unrealistic if it went over 10 minutes. Hell, but I it, watched it two times over the last two days. Yeah. If it was a 45-minute takeover match, I wouldn't watch it two times. <laughs> I yeah, enjoy I the mean, fact that I could take yeah, it in twice to get ready for the show. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and everything made sense. Every yeah. action made sense based on what just happened. And there was just, there was no resting. And it, it just very, very unique with the Shields offense. And this was kind of the, you know, kayfabe storyline of the match was them working together and taking one of the baby mm-hmm. face guys out three on one. And I thought that was a neat bit of storytelling. You know, the commentators were all over it. It was easy for the audience to digest. It was, it was good match layout in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they especially they had the one point in the match where uh, Rollins and Moxley were. I, I keep, I, I never know what to call them now, Moxley or An- Ambrose. But it was Rollins and Moxley working somebody over in the ring, and Roman Reigns was just kind of walking around the ring, you know, making sure nobody interfered with it. I thought that was a little bit of good stuff there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for the spots that really stood out for me, of course, the spear on Kane through the outside was really awesome. Um, I'm trying to remember how that was set up. There's something where, like, I think Rollins chop blocks Kane to set it up. Uh, like Kane and and Roman were fighting on the outside. Moxley's involved too. Ambrose, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> but like the whole set of it of it was nice. And then you know the spot going through the through the barrier and then burying him under the under the wreckage was cool. To give Ryback credit, um, he always did the double suplex spot back then. And uh, he does it onto Ambrose and uh, Rollins in the ring. If you're watching Has on that YouTube, spot ever not gotten over yeah. the baby face suplexing two heels. <laughs> if I you're mean, watching you're on about the a YouTube spot. stream. There's a there's a screenshot on the screen right now. It's it's a cool move. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that move really 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 gets over. That's cool. There's a spot um, where they where they put the table across the top rope in the corner, and. Uh, I think it's I think it's Ambrose and and Rollins again. They superplex Brian off of the table where they're all standing up there, and you're like, I'm gonna like bite my nails. Is it, you know, is the table gonna break from all that weight on there? Because you know, you know, those tables aren't super strong. But they all stand up there, and like a few minutes later, Kane goes up there and he's walking on the table. That was kind of unique, I thought, even in during that time period. Yeah, that was the really the only time somebody doing that comes to mind is the Benoit Sullivan finish, which I know is. That's something that we want to really get into on this yeah. podcast ever. But, you know, Great American Bash 96. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, that was a finish there. But yeah, just constant action. It just, it felt so different. Yeah. Like, you know, in 2012, than what you'd been seeing uh, in WWE the last couple of years. Whereas now we often say, eh, you know, this match felt like, you know, four others I've seen recently. <laughs> Of course, of course, the powerbomb spots that they became known for were, you know, the assisted powerbomb or Reigns, uh, you know, is the primary guy, but he's got help from his teammates. And they throw Ryback, you know, through the announce table. Super cool spot, as always. Uh, and then, you know, Reigns powerbombing uh, Brian through a table ends up being the finish. So you get the powerbomb Ooh. spot there as well. But uh, how about that fall that Seth Rollins took okay. back on the yeah. entranceway? My okay. God. So we got to go back to Ryback first, and then because it it all tie in to the yeah. bump Rollins because it's those two up there, yeah. Yeah. So Ryback's rep, I know CM Punk was pretty vocal about this. Was that he was, you know, kind of an unsafe worker at times. Yeah, yeah. Well, him and there Goldberg is this... have that in common. Oh, now stop it. Well, you can't stop. argue that Goldberg is an unsafe worker. He almost killed the Undertaker. <laughs> my God. I ended the career of the it takes excellence two. of execution. It's a, you know, that was, you know, certainly a, a bad night at the office. But that's, <laughs> hold on. Yes. I digress. Okay. So anyway, that was kind of a bit of rep, uh, of the rep on Ryback. And there was this moment, I noticed it, where he like just tackles Reigns going back up the aisle. And he tackles him just like into a chair that's unfolded. And like right, like head first into a ladder. And... I know that's kind of viewed as unprofessional, but quite frankly, I liked it. <laughs> it it added to the illusion of it as a fight. Like it didn't. It like it was not like this. You know, perfectly executed thing. It was just like that's what would happen in a fight. Like he just freaking straight up tackled the other dude head first into a ladder. Like, and that's what would happen. And I know it probably that's sucks true. to bang that's your true. head on a ladder. Yeah, but give me that. <laughs> Yes, and, um, they, yeah, they fight up to the, up the aisle, and then you've got Seth and Ryback on that ladder, and they've got the stack <laughs> tables up there, and holy shit! I like I forgot about this spot, I guess, because when I watched it, I mean, it, there's no crash pad. I mean, that is the concrete floor beneath them, and Rollins comes <laughs> off this ladder through like the two tables, and his head like whiplashes off the edge of one of the tables. It is freaking brutal i mean especially knowing what we know about head injuries holy crap i mean this is this is a hell of a fall and this happens right before the finish back in the ring where ambrose and reigns are uh are involved with the powerbomb on brian through the table you know off off of the turnbuckle where reigns uh does the powerbomb and pins brian kane still buried under the wreckage on the outside so uh yeah the thing with that bump too is it's uh, Ryback just kind of yanks him off the thing, and he's like, "All right, you figure it out, pal." <laughs> yes. The way he does it—it's not a traditional like throw him off the ladder and do it. I mean, he just straight yanks him off the ladder and says, "Yep, you. I hope you don't." By God, how do you learn to fall out of stack of tables? <laughs> and then you know when the Shield wins and they all celebrate, there's a pretty iconic picture of him. I'm going to put up on the stream here where. Uh, you know, Ambrose is—he's got his tongue out. He's celebrating and reigns. He looks white, but he's all there. And then Ambrose like has his hand around Rollins' chin, and Re- Rollins is just like loopy. He's out. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure yeah. some of that wasn't selling. <laughs> it was no. based on the the fall that he had just took, which was pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I do like about the finish Ryback rushing back to the ring to try to break up the pinfall, but not making it. 
Yes, I like that too. I, I thought that was a real nice touch after he had you know thrown Rollins through the tables. Um, yeah, good touch and yeah, and, and the announcers put it over big. Uh, huh? The the win, the shield. Was this the best debut match in the history of the company by an act? Oh my god. Ooh. I mean the the Owen Cena. I was saying I was that, yeah. that, that, that that's actually why I mentioned it earlier is because it uh, came to mind that one. But I, I think that this is slightly better than that. I mean Nakamura and Sami Zayn at Takeover was pretty awesome. That's, I mean, that's it's not a good one. Roster, not main yeah. roster, but uh, ooh, I mean um, I'd have to think F- about Fandango it. WrestleMania twenty nine. <laughs> uh, that was quite the upset. <laughs> yeah. If I was Chris Jericho, I'd be so happy I was in AEW. <laughs> Fucking Fandango. They had him lose to Fandango and WrestleMania. Again, nice idea. Wrong guy. Yeah. To say the least, for sure. What were they thinking on that? <laughs> so, I mean, so what should we talk about the aftermath now? I'm coming out of the match yeah, because I, I, I mentioned Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it uh, was the best AB match in company history, for the record. Um, so you know, we talk about the Shield, uh, what goes on after this match, an outstanding 2013. They're one of the highlights. I like 2013 WWE. Spoiler alert. Particularly like from the summer to you know all the, and then into 2014. That's a good period of WWE. That's probably their best period of the last ten years. Really feel that way. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed like they had a lot of breakout workers coming on, and you know things were really on the up, but uh, kind of didn't last. Anyway, uh, Shield, a lot of great trio smashes. There's one on SmackDown people should check out. Uh, a random June episode of, uh, against Daniel Bryan, Kane, and Randy Orton. Uh, personally, I think the best of their 2013 was a forgotten feud with the Rhodes brothers. And what a matchup this is with 2020 eyes. Dusty, yeah. or Dustin and Cody... <laughs> against Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. It was just a straight tag, uh, no Ambrose. And they had this match at Battleground, a pay-per-view that like, no one bought. <laughs> but yeah. it's a tremendous match. Hmm. And people really need to check that out. Yeah. Uh, the, the build with Dusty in the ring. I think okay. I mentioned this. Yeah, I remember when that he, now. When he shushed Stephanie, maybe the greatest moment in the history yeah. of the World Wrestling Federation, she got so salty about it in the ring. <laughs> I mentioned that on the show before, but I just wanted to mention it again. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, 2014, Shield has what's basically considered their masterpiece uh, by many against the Wyatt family at the Elimination Chamber. I'll be honest, I think I like this TLC match a little better. Man, it's close. That, like but, you mentioned, their masterpiece. It's a great match. It is. I, I know that uh, patron of the show, Tim, was, uh, and he's been on the show too. Uh, he, uh, he was at that one live, raves about it, obviously being there for it. Uh, I kind of wish I would have went to it with him now. I was up there in Minneapolis, not far from justin and myself but uh boy i don't know i, f- I feel like i got to give that one a rewatch now that i've watched tlc twice in the last 24 hours maybe if i can watch it here in the next day or two i could i could answer it better but i'd have to go with the elimination chamber just gut feeling but i don't know we'll see as their I'll, best I'll yeah. you guys in a couple of days <laughs> yeah let me know i mean i think i think yeah if you watch tlc the elimination chamber match against the wyatt family which was built up so well and the battleground tag, I, I think, you know, I, I'd be interested to hear what our listeners feel is the best of those three matches. Um, you know, Top group, Nation at gmail.com or comment on the YouTube video. Yes. Or yeah, Twitter, do anything. Twitter, I don't know, carrier pigeon, Nation. send a raven. I don't know <laughs> what people do. Steal but, one of Mike Tyson's pigeons, have it fly to yes. us. Yes. <laughs> um, 
Eventually, obviously, the group does turn babyface in early 2014. Love how they squash Kane and the New Age Outlaws at WrestleMania 30. Mm-hmm. There aren't enough great matches that, like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, I believe that was just because uh, they went long with that opening Hogan, Rock, and Stone Cold. I yes, think that they, match was supposed to have more time. Yeah. God, God bless it. <laughs> God, God bless those guys for going long. God bless for Hogan for forgetting the name of the... Uh, the Silverdome. Superdome. Right? We kept yes. calling it the Silverdome. Yes. Yeah. Yep. God yeah. bless them because that match worked so much better when it was shorter. Yeah. Um, always make whatever match. I was thinking the 10 man tag at WrestleMania 10 getting cut because the ladder match went long. Rick Martel was or, fired up about that on his shoot interview. Oh, my God. He was living with Shawn Michaels. <laughs> How dare these guys? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and anyway, uh, they have, you know, they have. Uh, there's a lot of great matches by the WWF 2011 to 14, just saying. But at their zenith, the Shield is broken up with Rollins being the one to turn heel. This is after they beat Evolution, Triple H, Orton, and Batista, two straight pay-per-views in pretty dominant fashion. I feel that breakup, ill-timed, ill-executed, and kind of haunts the WWE even to today. And they extended the run, too, from what I know is that WWE wanted to break them up earlier. And the guys basically pleaded to stay together for a while longer. Wasn't Ambrose supposed to be the one to turn initially, too? I think there was some talk because, you know, he was the one guy who people saw kind of a personality that had some of individuality. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get into that a little bit, I think. But, uh, yeah, I think he was considered. But, um, you you know, Meltzer, yeah, he basically... Uh, I had it in the notes. He said what you said, Ryan, that they were originally going to break up before WrestleMania, but the babyface turn took better than anticipated. I am shocked a little bit at that comment, not from Meltzer's perspective, but that WWE didn't think their babyface turn would take well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially considering what their long-term goal was. Yeah, so, yeah, and the idea was to break Reigns off as a single star. We all know this and give him a slow ascension this is Meltzer's words where he would eventually replace John Cena as the company's biggest star um and then he goes on to say but the feeling was there was a lot of life and merchandise money in the group as faces with the three fist salutes the dissension angle was dropped and the turn was canceled obviously though um it kind of happens out of nowhere and uh Meltzer says that there was a WWE magazine article that had a short Q&A with Rollins uh, talking about Reigns and Ambrose's former partners. So this was obviously planned. That magazine yeah. hit newsstands before the turn actually aired. Press Shades time, of Randy. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. Shades of Randy Savage winning the WrestleMania 4 tournament with WWF magazine had already <laughs> spoiled it. Boy, that had been that had been really close to the time where they ended the WWE magazine. I mean, I don't know how much longer it went on after they probably they probably just got through. They didn't care. <laughs> we're paying much attention to the magazine. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't know. I would to be honest with you, I was shocked that it was still around when I put that in the notes. Just yeah, stunned. Same. I was like mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it had ended in 1996, to be quite frank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, all right. So I'll just read this one last little tidbit from Meltzer that I want to talk about our th- collective thoughts on the breakup. Um, okay, he talks about the Q&A with Rollins. This would lead one to believe the turn was planned sometime back, and in a sense it was, but that was for the original turn. Those with knowledge of the situation said that the two key angles on Rollins were both last-minute decisions. Rollins' turn on Ambrose and Reigns was decided upon Sunday afternoon. There was a brief tease in the post-game show after payback that wasn't subtle, but didn't exactly make 
people expect the turn either. Decision surprised a lot of people, particularly since the figuring was if someone was going to turn, it would be Ambrose who comes along across the most diabolical. Some were questioning the Rollins turn, noting that he's a spectacular flyer and stylistically that lends itself more to a face roll. At the same time, the heel turn and being associated with Triple H and Randy Orton assures Rollins a continued main event level presence. As for why it was done, it was just to shake up the situation. There was more life left in the shield, says Meltzer, and there was a lot of advertising out as far as going back to the shield versus the Wyatts a short-term pro- program earlier this year that produced great matches and excitement, but things change. <laughs> Card subject to change. Yeah, so I want to talk about the split. I don't think it was well, I, I said, ill-timed, ill-executed. I, I didn't understand why they did it then, right after they, right as they were at their peak and people were so behind them. And remember, the promotion was short on babyface at that time. Daniel Bryan had just gotten hurt. Yeah. And I don't think any of the three had really demonstrated individuality before the split, which is needed, I think, before you turn. You kind of want to know a little more about the three people rather than just turn them when you don't know a lot about any of them. Mm-hmm. That's just my take on it. I thought I thought they're, they should have waited several months. Well, okay. The thing is, I would argue back. They kind of used the breakup to start showing their individuality. Like they showed that Rollins was always kind of in for himself. That he he claimed to be the architect of the Shield, and just and you know, going back to people thinking that uh, Ambrose should be the one to turn. I think time is borne out that they made the right decision with it being Rollins. Just with uh, his speaking voice is just kind of grating and mm-hmm. uh he had a, a pretty great two-year run <laughs> so is rollins heel. kind of at times but <laughs> yeah. uh, that, i'm sorry that's why i met was rollins had yeah. the grading oh, oh okay yeah i was like <laughs> yeah and, and, fr- and frankly ambrose has kind of always been a better baby face than a heel not that mm-hmm. i'm he's probably given a, a proper run as a heel uh but i the other thing i would uh slap back on is like if you keep them together what do you do? Well, With they go back to the know. Wyatts. I mean, they were saying. Okay. And maybe that hasn't finished. I just think, man, breaking up babyface acts, you better have another babyface ready to slide into that role. And I know the goal was Raw, or pardon me, Reigns. But it's funny how they screwed Reigns from the jump on that. So the plan was they were like, all right, we'll make Rollins his top heel, Reigns the top baby face and Ambrose will just do whatever. Well, when you had, when the crowd had two baby faces to pick from, that's not the way you want to do it because what ultimately happened is they kind of sided with Ambrose initially more so than Reigns. There was at least 50, 50. If you wanted to get the crowd a hundred percent behind Reigns, you needed to have both guys turn on him. Mm-hmm. That's the, the correct psychology if that's your goal, if your main goal is Roman Reigns is going to replace John Cena, we want him to be this loved baby face. Both of them needed to turn on him because what they did is they allowed the fans to pick which baby face they wanted. And, you know, Roman Reigns was really haunted from the start in that baby face turn, I thought, by the booking. You know, it's I funny agree. you say yeah. that because they, they didn't help themselves even going forward with that when, you know, they pit uh, Reigns against Ambrose for the... 
uh, Rollins vacated world title and then they end up against each other towards the end of uh, the Royal Rumble too when it yes. ended up with Triple H in there. Yeah. I mean they just continuously did disservice <laughs> to Roman Reigns. What a hit job that was. Remember when Triple H alleged heel tosses Reigns out of the match and just like does the DX cross chop to the most massive reaction <laughs> ever. Dude, this last this last 4 months is the first time Roman Reigns has been booked well post shield. To be honest, I mean Yeah. I mean Initially, it was like okay. Like if you watch his first match as a babyface, which is Randy Orton at SummerSlam, it's okay. Like it's weird. He comes out and you don't hear the boos. But by that fall, man, they'd already bungled it huge. And I think a big part of that was, you know, having just one guy turn and go heel, and leaving two babyfaces. If you wanted Reigns to be the babyface, then both of them needed to turn on him. Yeah. I agree with that. And then long term, a few months later, you could add Rollins kind of turn on Ambrose or something if you want. Yeah, to do that. I mean, you could have done something like that. Yeah. When, you know, when Reigns has ascended past them, if you want, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you know, then they feud it. Yeah. And you could right. have done that. So um, I just thought the psychology was all screwed up. I do. I do think Rollins, though, definitely benefited from this. I mean, because he I think Justin alluded to it a minute ago. He had an awesome 2014 2015 before the knee injury. I mean, that split really elevated him. I mean, I bought in. Yes. I was a huge I mean, they, Rollins fan during that period. I mean, he's he was having great matches. The heel run worked for him. Uh, I mean, honestly, out of the split, he he benefited more than anybody. And you know, that that status that he achieved during that run is what continues to you know, give him the status to be on the card where he is right now when he's when he's working his way right now, but, you know, when he's around, so. Yeah, I think once he was the heel, he was booked in the manner he should have been. It probably, I think if you look back at that 15-month or whatever it was, 18-month period of heel turn to injury, if your goal is to get Seth Rollins, I don't know what you would do differently. Yeah. To improve it. I mean, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, it's, I don't think you can pick it apart like you can with the Reigns baby face turn. So, I mean, you look at this match in a broader perspective, 2020 looking back eight years. And man, like I said at the top of the show, it doesn't feel like this was eight years ago, almost a decade ago, but it was. And you look at some of the names in this match. I mean, you're talking about the biggest names in the industry in a lot of ways now with, you know, you got John Moxley. You know, he was the world champion over in AEW. You got Reigns, you know, he's the guy. You got Rollins, he's been the guy for a lot of years since then. Uh, you know, of course, the the Daniel Bryan run that we would have not long after this. Kane, the mayor, <laughs> I guess. Ryback, he's gone. But you know what I mean? Like, you got you got your big four there. Rather so, Adam West calling the shots in my hometown. <laughs> but, I mean, you got your big four. There's another old reference by the way, I've alienated, we've completely alienated the 18 to 34 demo, Justin. <laughs> but I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, I, I think I've promoted this video with it with the with the uh, slogan that this is kind of a match to change the industry because the shield had arrived and this may be their greatest match, like you said, Kyle. And, and this is what establishes them moving forward and cements their place with a with the Roman Reigns with with uh, Seth Rollins and, you know, gives, gives Ambrose that background to eventually kind of change the wrestling world when he goes to AEW. So, I mean, I think it's kind of a fascinating watch to go back and think about what has happened in the eight years since then. And it's, it's uh, maybe not one people th- think about too much, but uh, I really do think it's an industry changing match. Yeah. So. Like I could easily give this five stars. And I don't give that very often. 
Um, it's funny you've mentioned multiple times eight years ago doesn't feel like that long ago. You know what's interesting is when I was considering other December matches we could talk about, okay, I thought of Flair and Carey and Christmas in 82, if you want to go real old school. I thought of um, Bret Hart and Davy Boy Smith in 95. Love that match, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Sean and Hunter match in 93 from Raw. And, you know... Oh three 3 Yeah, oh three. 3 Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm sorry. Did I say something else? 93. Oh, yeah, oh three. 3 yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Sean and Hunter would have been interesting in 93, yes. yes. In oh three 3 on Raw from San Antonio, the dusty finish. But, like, it's funny, like, you know, 95 to 03. Eight, again, it's an eight-year span, just like 2012 to today. God, so much changed in eight, those eight years between 95 and 03. And you look at this match now, yeah, okay. It, it doesn't feel like it happened yesterday. But, man, eight years in this promotion – doesn't feel like what eight years used to feel like. No, that's that is for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot of fun to do these retrospective shows, guys. If if you like this kind of thing where we focus on a singular match and kind of you know tell the story, let us know. Again, topropenation at gmail.com. Tweet us at topropenation. Join the Facebook group, Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion. We got stuff going up every day. Uh, and if you want to hear us talk more classic wrestling, the Patreon bonus show we do, Top Rope Nation Classics, is a lot of fun. Every month, usually about two hours, patreon.com slash Nation. Support the show and uh, listen to the whole archive. There's more than 20 bonus shows over there, and a lot of them are the classics discussions. But I do think we need to do more of these on the main feed, just focusing yes. on one singular match because I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. I like going back and researching it and getting ready for these shows. And like I said at the top, we were we were all texting and we were ready to go for this one. We're going to be talking plenty of of modern day pro wrestling in the weeks ahead. Like I said, we've got the uh, the TLC live uh, post show on our YouTube <laughs> oh, no. page this Sunday night. So we'll have the hot takes. I would love to have anyone listening join us in the chat room live. Get involved in the show. I love to read the comments from the chat room on the air as we're recording. You know, if you've ever listened to the podcast version of the pay-per-view post shows, you hear me doing that. Get involved. YouTube.com slash Top Rope Nation. Join the fun. Pour yourself an adult beverage after the show and join us late Sunday night. You know, hold on. I, I got to say one thing about that. This TLC review we're going to do that just something that just burns my ass. Okay. <laughs> And it's appropriate because I saw the commercial when I clicked on the award-winning WWE Network to watch the match we discussed tonight. They've got this TLC promo that anytime right now, if you go to watch a match or a show on the network, you're going to get this commercial for the TLC uh, show that's coming up here on Sunday. Okay? Have you guys seen it? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys saw it when you clicked this match. I don't know if it registered with you at all, but it really registered with me for all the wrong reasons, this commercial. I hated this commercial. What do you see when you watch that commercial? It's just a bunch of random people going through tables. And mm-hmm. it's it's not like a storyline or what's headlining the show, why you should buy it. It's just like, yeah, you know, it's December. It's TLC. And you know what that means. So people are going to go through tables. I think it's because they don't know long term anymore. Like I, I think they produced that the, commercial months ago, probably. And Yeah, they're just like, <laughs> oh, just get the old Jeff Hardy, you know, footage out of the can. But... We talked about this with Hell in a Cell, you know, having a making it a themed pay-per-view rather than using the gimmick when a story like calls for it is such a negative. So I, I feel the same way about TLC. Agreed. I, I think having a TLC pay-per-view is dumb. 
I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to some of the. You know, I think it'll be in the ring. It could be a decent show. I mean, Owens and uh, and Reigns. They've had some good matches in the past. In my interview with him earlier today with Kevin, I I talked about that. And uh, I like the match that, they had at a Royal Rumble. The one, yeah, year. 2017. I talked with him about that match, and uh, you you guys will see the quotes over the weekend on Comic Book. But uh, he talked about how that's kind of a forgotten classic, and that him and Roman would talk about little intricacies of that match for months and months afterwards. And so. I think they'll have a really good... I don't think Owens has a chance in hell of winning. Maybe no. we'll be surprised, but I think they'll have a really good match. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the Universal title match uh, and, and talking about it with you guys Sunday night. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if both of those title matches, Drew and AJ also, can over-deliver enough to compensate for the very pedestrian booking that makes you not want to really watch it. Because like is that, I don't expect... I don't think anyone expects a title change in either of them. And again, it's so tough doing two TLC matches on the same show. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I mean, I hope they don't put the title on on uh, Owens only to have him lose it to Goldberg again so they can do Reigns-Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> WrestleMania, poor Kevin Owens. That would not. You got to get this business guy. It might be tough. <laughs> Anyways, guys, uh, subscribe to the channel. Help us out. YouTube.com slash Top Rope Nation. Join us live Sunday night. We'll be here for you. On the chat room, we'll be popping. We'll be ready to go. So, with that said, this has been episode 188 of Top Rope Nation. You can follow us on Twitter at Top Rope Nation. Justin's at Justin Joint. Kyle's at TRP Kyle. And I'm at Ryan Drosty. We'll see you guys next time. Have a good weekend. Enjoy TLC. We'll be talking to you afterwards. <laughs>